Hey, good morning, everybody. Good afternoon, good evening, good luck. Not sure what time zone you're in or what country, but today is Tuesday. It is Tango Uncorked with Adam Hoopengardner, and I am your host, Adam Hoopengardner. Uh, today on the show, we have Kenning Zhu comes by, and uh, she came by, and she chatted with us for a while, and we had a lot of uh, interesting things to talk about. Her writing, her process, her art, her expression, uh, what it means to her, and uh, I hope you enjoy the conversation. It was a beautiful weekend uh, in New York. Not really, it rained a lot, but if you're into that, it was beautiful. I uh, ate some peppers and some oysters and um, nachos and all sorts of good stuff. A um, couple things I want to mention before we start the show is that on May 18th, which is this coming Saturday from 4 to 6 p.m., I will be teaching a musicality class at the studio. Uh, the primary goal is to help create a musical dialogue between the partners to you uh, to better appreciate and enjoy the music, the, the, the dynamic between the couple and all that stuff. So we're going to start with the beat and go into rhythmic musical accents and then into melodies because sometimes we're dancing with people and we're not really sure what it is they're um, interpreting and so it's nice to create a dialogue some sort of awareness between what she's hearing versus what he's hearing and how we can both use that knowledge and inspiration to create a better communication so that'll be Saturday afternoon uh, Philadelphia Tango Festival is coming up Memorial Day weekend. That is the last weekend of the month, I believe. And we have 14 couples teaching. We have six DJs and we have live music. So that will be, where are we at here? The 24th, uh, 25th, 26th, 27th of May. Yes, it's going through Monday night. I'll be DJing. A um, lot of new teachers and a lot of uh, well-established teachers as well. So it's going to be a really great weekend. Let's see what else is happening. Alberto and Michaela will be in town the first weekend of June and will be teaching the Primilonga class at Malaleche. And Los Totis will be performing. So put that on your calendar. We will be starting our next seminar, Adam and Chico seminars, Wednesday and Thursday, the first week of June, going through the middle of July. We will also be going to Maine the second weekend of June, the 14th, for some workshops. So if you want to come up to Maine, Portland, Maine, check out the community there. We think we'll get some Montrealers and Bostonians and who else? Who knows from where else people may join us from. But that will be happening the second weekend of June. The last weekend of July, the 26th, 27th, 28th, there is a marathon in Cleveland at a bowling alley. It is called the Cleveland Tango Bowling Marathon, and it is our eighth year, and it will be a doozy. It's already filling up. We have people from L.A., San Francisco, Florida, all around the country have already registered and are coming in. There are some affordable Airbnbs. If you go to the Facebook page, Cleveland Tango Marathon, uh, Cleveland Tango Bowling Marathon, that is, um, check out Michaela has put a bunch of recommendations up. And the last thing, if you didn't get enough Cleveland in July, you can always come back in September because Horacio Godoy and Cecilia Berra will be in Cleveland. They will also be here in New York City, the second and third weekends of September. And that's all. That's my spiel. So without further ado, we're going to bring you our good friend Kinning Zoo here in New York City. Enjoy. Enjoy. <laughs> 
want to wear an eye mask? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's also kind of weird to talk to someone with their eyes closed. Like with your eyes closed talking or with me looking at you with your eyes closed? Both. Both, right. That's yeah. weird too. Yeah. Well, I'm here with Kenning yes. Zhu. Great pronunciation. Yes. I'm learning how to put more um, thought into that. And um, I'll say welcome and um, acknowledge how you're part of the reason I decided to move forward with this. So I want to say thank you because we met a while ago for you to do the sketch and you were very excited about this idea. Yeah, I think that was the best part of our meeting because the sketch didn't turn out so well. <laughs> it wasn't horrible, although I didn't share it with anybody. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't either. <laughs> you were the last person I drew. And you mentioned on your website you have a piece about uh, marath working marathons, hmm? how you tend to overinvest in ideas. Oh, yeah, so one yes. of them was the sketches. Yes, you I mentioned. do that all the time where I'll have like a grand idea and then I will be like, okay, I, I got to do 100 of, of this or 100 of that or even 50. Mm -hmm. And then there's so many projects where I started and then I just dropped it like halfway. Well, that's okay. I think so too. That's what I'm becoming more and more okay with. Just being like, you know, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling. Okay, I'm not feeling it anymore. Yeah. I mean, it's like a book. Yeah. Like sometimes I'll get a book out and then I'll start reading it and I'll be like, this is terrible. And I used to like force my way through them, but there's really no nobody. You know, you just put it back and. Life is too short. Not a big Don't, deal. Yeah, let's not force ourselves. And to you do know, things. you put like a very large number, a hundred. I know. I was so ambitious. It's because one of my friends said that she was doing, she saw a challenge to do, make a hundred of something in one year. And I really wanted to be prolific. Mm -hmm. And also I wanted to like, it's kind of like this. Like I wanted to sit down and get to know people <laughs> and I wanted to know their face, but not like, like metaphorically really study them. Mm -hmm. And it, it took a long time and I just got kind of tired. Um, I thought it was a really interesting project <laughs> just to be like, hey, come over to my house and close your eyes and don't move and I'm going to draw you. Yeah. It's kind of like this weird project. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm really happy that you came over because I was so excited to hear about this. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I, well, I also thought it was funny as I came over, I was sitting upright in a, I think it was a backless chair. No, 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 no. There's no way I would make you sit on a backless chair. Uh, okay. Oh, you're making me sit on a backless chair. I'm right making now. you sit on a backless chair. <laughs> How rude of me. Um, and I just remember sitting there and after, like, for the first 10 minutes, I had my eyes closed and I was thinking, for the first 10 minutes, I was like, oh my God, this is really difficult. Really? Yeah. And then I fell asleep. <laughs> Or I got into like some weird meditative state. I don't know I, if I, I fell asleep. You fell asleep. Yeah. Because <laughs> you said like... you, I think my head was bobbing a little bit. Yeah. yeah. I was like, I don't. But it went after the first 10 minutes, it was fine. And then it was like, I don't know, 40 minutes. We took a break. Mm -hmm. but we didn't talk at all until after the first break, I think. Yeah. And then you were telling me about the, I told you about how some people would listen to podcasts when they would sit for a, a sitting hmm. and other people would just close their eyes and you were the first person to fall asleep <laughs> <laughs> but um and then you started talking about podcasts and mm -hmm. i think this is how this happened so you have sort of like a podcast you have a blog sort of website i'm not even sure what a blog is but when i was doing research on podcasting hmm. they basically said podcasts are blogs 
Oh, really? Like uh, audio blogs. I do have an audio blog. Well, you've read some of your work. Yes. Is that what you mean by audio blog? Yeah, I mean, let's let's like all of these words don't really mean anything. Like blog is just whatever you write and you put on the website. Like a mm-hmm. blog could be a video, it could be audio, mm. it could be just pictures, right? So is is blog more like personal? That's what a blog would be. I don't know. I think we're getting into like the yeah, philosophical some, concept of what a the blog, word is. blog is. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I guess I just still don't really get the word. I get what it is. I get how people think of it, like the blogger generation and the, I don't know, like early 2010s or something or before that, where people would have blogs around lifestyle or around Mm. cooking and they would build blogospheres. (laughs) And it was a thing and people made a lot of money through blogging. Mm -hmm. But I think think we're in a new era so gotta try new things mm-hmm. okay like podcasts yeah why not i think everybody should do them i love listening to them i also just grew up listening to the radio like just having it on in the background like in the kitchen growing up we never really paid attention but through that experience i've learned the words to like every song from the 50s and 60s because <laughs> it was the oldie station hmm. and so now i just know all the words because i was just running that's like cultural education. Mm-hmm. Speaking of cultural, you're from China. Yeah. And are you from Shanghai or did you just go to school there? I saw something um, on your website about. Yeah. So my parents live in Shanghai right now. Okay. They've been there for over 10 years. I was born in a town close to Shanghai. It's called Hanzhou. Um, and then I moved to the U.S. when I was like five. Oh, wow. Yeah. A long time ago. long time ago. So that's why you went to NYU or Columbia? I went went to Columbia. Columbia, Mm -hmm. yeah. um, But you go back now to visit. So you moved here, but did they move here? Oh, right. So this causes confusion to a lot of people. Um, Mm -hmm. We all moved here. They moved here first. Then I moved here when I was five. And then I grew up in North Carolina, went to middle, like elementary, middle, high school in North Mm -hmm. Carolina. And then I came to New York for college Hmm. at Columbia. Okay. How was Shanghai? Shanghai is a very different city than New York. It's like a mega city. Yeah. Like it's it's sprawling with a lot of high rises popping up everywhere like weeds. It's hard to imagine something bigger, but I've been to Tokyo before and I I've seen it like a bigger city than New York. Yeah, so. yeah. It's New York is very vertical and condensed. Hmm. Shanghai just sort of spreads out. Hmm. But it's also like when I think of Shanghai, I always think of smog and pollution because the sky is rarely blue there. Hmm. But, you know, there are things I love about it, too. Do you spend a lot of time there or just visit? Um, I used to when I was in college, I would go back twice a year, like summer, winter, Mm -hmm. but less now. So uh, you wrote some funny and not not funny. I don't know. To me, it's funny. I find humor (laughs) and everything. But um. There's one quote you have in your, one of your essays, intimacy is our hobby. Yeah. <laughs> that was really funny. Thanks. <laughs> I thought that was pretty witty too. Yeah. <laughs> because you've mentioned how other dances, I forget, uh, you know, other dances yeah, are yeah. different. Good and memory. then like, mm-hmm. if they get more intimate, it may lead to something. Or, yes. And I think in also like when newer dancers are getting into tango, they th- get confused. They get confused. Really there, confused. There's like a line that they don't realize is there yet. Exactly. Mm-hmm. 
So yeah, I, I mean, I think, so I did ballroom before I danced tango, and then I tried like salsa and hustle, and I think the intimacy in tango is, is, it feels very boundary crossing, crossing for a lot of people, and so it's part of, it's like, it's like theater, tango is just a, mm. I think I wrote a piece like I wrote a piece about this tango theater mm-hmm. where you go and you have people be like on your skin and it just stays in the dance. It doesn't go outside of that. And that's the beauty of it. But also, I think when you're just new to the scene, it's really confusing. Like, yeah. what, what is this? Mm-hmm. This is not normal. Or when people yeah, or even just people witnessing it, walking by Destino on a Sunday, looking in the window like, yeah, like they're looking at vampires <laughs> meeting or something. <laughs> Yes, vampires mating is very apt. <laughs> uh, so you have a website, and I like this thing. You have something called Camp Kinning. Oh, Kinning. yeah, is that yeah. something that you're still? I I am doing it in a different form, but um, let's how see. updated are you with your website? Are you? I'm pretty updated. Okay. Yeah, like I'm working on a redesign right now. Okay, cool. Um. Campaigning is 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 just a name for something I've been doing since I was 16, which is basically try to organize my life around doing things that will make me feel like well, because it's so easy when you are being pushed and pulled by friends, by tango, by boyfriend, girlfriends, by work that you just forget to like eat and sleep well. You forget mm-hmm. to go to the gym, like really simple things. Um, and for me, I'm like. I always feel like I'm highly emotional so if I don't do certain things I just feel very unstable hmm. like Im- just just sad or angry or just a lot of feelings so, so it's many helpful feelings. to stay grounded yes so campaigning is just a plan that I create for myself to help me stay grounded mm-hmm. and grounded is the word here yeah yeah um I've been doing that lately lately trying yeah. to well you also mentioned in another um i don't know if it was in the camp kinning section or another one about uh the steps you take to prepare your day or it's something about why getting why do you, uh, how do you tell yourself it's like getting up early in the morning but like having a good reason to oh do yeah so, yeah yeah and like reminiscing mm-hmm. back to um not doing it because of the the, the some people you said like some people um don't do it because they relate it to the nine to five lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And you were saying, try to identify parts of your life when getting up early had more of a special meaning. Mm-hmm. And I've been getting up like, you know, as a professional tango dancer <laughs> for a long time, I didn't get up early for like 12 years. Right. Or something. <laughs> just like, Vampire. I just didn't happen. <laughs> um, but av- over the past few years, as you know, a, you want to, your life gets dull after you do the same thing for so long. Yeah. But um, j- definitely been trying to like, I saw a lot in what you wrote about, you know, just finding the reward and getting up early. You feel healthier, yeah. you feel fresher. Yeah. You know, you have a different perspective on the day. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, I've been trying going, getting up later because I've been such an early riser the past few years and trying really hard to control my tango schedule because tango and getting up early do not mesh well. Mm-hmm. But I think as you get older, you do start to do things that just for the inherent sake of making yourself feel Hmm. like take putting your well-being first yeah 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 i spend a lot of my time like i always feel like i used my youth to uh like i i 
burnt myself out in my youth when my mm. body could handle it. <laughs> I'm glad I took that advantage of that time because now I can't do it anymore. So, mm. you know, at least I was able to enjoy. <laughs> that's one way to do it. That's one way to think yeah. about it. But I've definitely taken, uh, taken a, a breather from that. Have you always been into writing? Yeah, I studied writing in college. Mm. That was my major. And even before that? Um, I would write sh stories and stuff here and there, like as a kid. But mm -hmm. I did a lot of drawing as a kid. And so my main hobbies were more drawing and music. Yeah. But in college, I just, I ended up being a creative writing major. And that's stuff that you do to, like, that helps you stay grounded yet also gives you a, Completely. a place to express completely writing is where i feel the most grounded do you feel afraid to share it you know the first time i shared i only started sharing my writing online um this year and i've been writing for like pretty seriously over 10 years now uh but the first time i clicked share like on facebook because i'm such not a facebook user i had my heart was pounding and i was like i i, I don't know how i feel about putting it on yeah. social media because i also have a complicated relationship with social media mm -hmm. but nowadays i think i just get myself into a habit of doing uncomfortable things <laughs> so just click share who cares how many likes don't it doesn't even matter yeah i took me like eight months to do this after millions of excuses of why not and sharon was a big support of like are you gonna do that already or not nagging but like yeah i mean i made her sound like an old lady are you gonna do that already <laughs> but she'd be like how's the podcast coming and i was like um i've got all the equipment in a box over there you know and mm -hmm. yeah and then the, once you do it it's like your first tattoo <laughs> you wait forever then you get it and you're like ah, oh, that wasn't such a big deal it's not a big deal not a big deal not a big deal so you probably have a lot of stuff that you haven't shared Mm -hmm. but maybe you just don't feel like that worth people's time or you just feel shy about it? Um, my style has changed a lot, my writing style. So I feel my style is always continuing to evolve. Like mm -hmm. right now I'm working on a really long piece, whereas before I've, I've posted like 300, 500 word essays. Mm -hmm. I'm working on a piece about New York that's right now the rough draft is like 5,000 words. Mm. So I think I'm just, I'm I want to share what's, what's most fresh for me what represents me right now instead of things from my past so i'm just waiting I, i'm time. glad you dated because on the website it dates for you when you publish it mm -hmm. but it's like so i was like wow she's writing a lot this year this is march <laughs> this is april this is this and then you wrote like when you introduced the piece you're like yeah. i wrote this in 2016 because i was that's 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 just so you know that's useful yep. because i was like there's no way off. yeah yeah because being that prolific is, is yeah, that's magic. <laughs> um, are you intending for this to be longer or is it just happens to be the situation? I both. I wanted to, I think whenever I get too comfortable with something, like I got, I've gotten into the rhythm of writing about tango in a very short form, like less than 500 words. And I noticed myself falling into old styles or phrasings or patterns. And I was like, you know, I want to change it up. So one way to change it up is just to change the length. And mm. so I think it's intentional, but also the subject I'm writing about, which is New York. It, it's, it's, it's a big, big it's subject. A, it's a, like, in yeah. order to change the length, do you um, choose to try to go into greater 
detail and explanation or you know because mm-hmm. you could go deeper into the that's how you, you could expand on an idea by just going deeper and deeper into yes the... i think it's taking an idea and instead of doing a short sprint doing a marathon and like running mm-hmm. running with it for a really long time like you're a cross-country runner instead of you're a track hurdler mm-hmm. and that idea has to be rich enough that right. you can go in that depth yeah so with my tango pieces a lot of them have a very specific lens like tango therapy tango love tango theater tango addiction and yeah you could write whole books about those topics but i i basically wanted to expand on one moment whereas mm. for this piece it's it's called loving new york this piece it's um i think i could run with it for a long time and not get tired would you ever consider releasing it in segments that's a good idea but um i don't think it's fitting for this piece though for future pieces i think that that might be nice do you think writing is a living thing or is it something that once it's finished it's finished oh great question i think that unlike music or dance which only exists in the moment Mm -hmm. as you experience it writing is both living and still so what i mean is it's still because the words stay the same but it's living because each time you read it Mm. you're different Mm, so your perspective of it changes and your experience of it is different because there's the leaves of grass Mm -hmm. right and he's he had republished that that was like his major work Mm -hmm. and he just kept republishing it and changing it and republishing it and changing it throughout his whole life and he also did things as well on the side but that was like the walt the quintessential Hmm. walt whitman um and people talk about it like if you read this version versus this version you know he may change one or two things but you know they're interpreting it a multitude of ways and uh, i don't know if you're aware but you i forget which poem i or not poem which essay i listened to you reading mm-hmm. earlier you change a lot of the words <laughs> do i yeah which one was this <laughs> i gotta go back um i'd have to double check oh i might have not updated the text but you know that's a good i mean idea. maybe you didn't change yeah i mean it was just little words that you used i was oh, reading along and i'm like oh 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 i mean it was quite a few <laughs> quite a few often you know what so, happened i want to know what piece that is because Probably I updated it last minute and then I forgot to change the text and I was reading the real version. Hmm. Okay. The updated version. I'll have to double check. Okay. I, I looked at like, it was a tango one, I'm sure. Okay. Um, because going back to your, your New York story, like you could, you know, throw out a, a teaser and because like the New York, you know, magazines do this. Authors come out with these big, long books and, and studies and then the magazine will feature like a like Robert Caro, he just wrote a book called Working, I believe, hmm. and it was the story of his life writing the biography of um, LBJ, which is mm-hmm. like a four volume now. It's huge, it's insane, and so he wrote a book about the process of writing that, mm-hmm. and then the New Yorker published like a twenty page, maybe fifteen page glimpse of it, you know, and it was it was cool because now I really want to you know. I got to see the style of the book that's going to come out and, hmm. you know, I found it interesting. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's, I think each time you go back into it, go back into writing one piece, whatever you write reflects where you are at 
that time in your life. Mm-hmm. So it would be interesting to treat it like a living thing, like one essay or one book and you keep working at it. But I also tend, I mean, I think a lot of artists, creative people do get bored and restless and they just want to move on. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm just, I was just curious about that. Um, you were in Mongolia. Yes. What the hell? That was, <laughs> I saw the video of the, your. My host father. Singing. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. That was a really special time. That guy looks really happy. You know, he is. Like, I think people that don't have so much clutter in their lives. He is. So, Mongolia, like, Mongolia, the the herder population is declining. And a lot of herd herders are becoming city people, for lack of a better word. And once we asked him why he didn't, why didn't you, like, why didn't he sell his herd and move into the cities? And he said... Like what? Like here, I have fresh air. I, I have my like I have everything that I need here. Like nature, this just he just pointed around. Of course, he spoke Mongolian, so I got I got his gist. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was it was a really magical time in my life. And from the l- few photos I saw, it's like you're just in a what's the what are they it's called? It's a ger. It, it's it's like a yurt. Okay, yeah. Um, and it's made of felt. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that's it there's that and then there's you and so i stayed in the countryside for about three weeks Mm -hmm. and then i was in the city for a little over three months in the countryside you would sleep inside the the gear right but there's no shops there's no shops i mean you're just that's it it's just you and some goats and uh, yeah yeah um if you need vegetables most of the others vegetables you can get um, in like the city center, in the town center, mm-hmm. you'd have to take a motorbike half an hour. So how much time did you spend out there without going to the town center? Just I think my host family would go there once every two weeks mm-hmm. or something, maybe once a week. And they would just buy some potatoes and carrots, mostly root vegetables. And so how are you passing time out here, out here in the middle of nowhere? Oh my gosh, nowhere? it was amazing. <clears throat> yeah. It, it was incredible. I just, I had a notebook, like one of those little pocket notebooks, and I would literally, I, I would either be doing chores, so uh, sweeping the floors, cutting mutton, like sheep meat for lunch or dinner, helping my host mother with various things around the gear, or I would be sitting there and chatting with her in broken Mongolian, hmm. or I would be sitting there and um, just like staring into space but in the most not in the like new york city stare into my wall space but like staring into nature like there's inside the yurt there's a opening at the top where the sunlight streams in and that's where the when you cook stuff the smoke goes out of that Hmm. i would get into this very meditative zone i mean without internet connection or hell even using a a phone you if you want to get signal you have to wave your phone around very specific spots to try to get a signal you just realize that you don't need all of that stimulation yeah that you could just be you could just be you could just be here yeah it's 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 intense you said something else about um not to don't wake up and look at your phone right away because you wake up in a reactive state of mind yeah i I do that every day (laughs) (laughs) so did i i did that every day too but it just put me in a really bad mood. Yeah. And I realized that sometime, 
sometime around the time that I quit my job, in which I would read a bunch of emails and I would just just get worked up before I'm even out of bed. Mm. So since then, I've made a practice of putting my phone in airplane mode before I go to sleep and leaving it in another room and then turning it back on when I'm ready Mm. because otherwise you're just, you're constantly reacting Mm -hmm. to other people's problems. And bombardment. Yeah. Yeah. It helps get out of bed though, because you get angry and you're like, I gotta get up, <laughs> do something about this. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a great way to put it. <laughs> See the the sunlight and everything. I uh, generally leave my phone out here, uh, not in the bedroom, and especially if I set my alarm, because then I have to get up and actually turn it off and not snooze it. Like you also mentioned about snoozing, a lot of people talk about over snoozing. It's a habit. Snoozing is a habit. Recently, I I don't think I've used an alarm for like a year mm-hmm. because I I think just letting my body wake up when it can is makes me feel so much better. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I do that because I've been trying to get teach myself to wake up earlier. Oh. And I'm trained to sleep all day. Right. So if so I you didn't have, to have that like if I didn't have that also because like Wednesday night, you know, I'm up late with Tango Cafe Mm -hmm. and Thursday night we teach till midnight. But I want to start by Friday being up by 10 again. I used to like take a couple days to get back. Hmm. And then by like Sunday, Monday, I start getting up early and then there you go. It's Wednesday again. But I've been disciplining myself to like come home on Thursday night, try to be in bed by 130 Mm -hmm. so that by Friday I can get right back up again. So then Saturday, Sunday, if we're not traveling for work Mm -hmm. and all that, then I can get up earlier again because my body's just learned to be i could just like i fell asleep sitting up in a chair in your apartment <laughs> <laughs> so i can i can sleep <laughs> there's no like lack of sleep yeah self-discipline can be hard but the fruits of waking up early are are many yeah yeah i think um so what are you what are your um what are you doing now? What are your projects right now? Besides the New York thing. Yeah. Um, so this month of May, I'm doing a, a art collaboration with a dancer who has a showcase. Actually, it's about relationships, negotiating needs and relationships in Williamsburg. That's in two weekends. And then um, I'm going to Loka and I'm doing a reading of my tango essays at Loka, which I'm excited about. What's Loka? Oh, it's James O's. Tango oh yeah, event. yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> totally. That's gonna be great. When is that's yeah. Boston? That's in Boston. That's the marathon. Mm-hmm. We should give him a little plug. Where, when is that? I think it's Memorial. Yeah, it's Memorial. Memorial okay, yeah, it's the same weekend. weekend as Philly. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, but it's been it's been booked for months. Oh yeah, no, yeah. I know. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. So we're excited. I heard some good things about that. Yeah. And, and James is cool. James is really cool. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing, I'm actually reading it with Iran. We're doing a collab for, for collaboration for the first time with my spoken word. So I'm excited about and that. And he's going to play? Yeah, he's going to play. Okay. I've done a collaboration with Iran before. It was, you did. It was challenging. <laughs> <laughs> because he had written a piece and Chico and I were going to perform to it. Oh. And he came to Pittsburgh with us a couple of years ago. Okay. But since the recording, he had changed the piece. Oh. So we've been practicing to this piece. <laughs> <laughs> and then when we were out there doing it and we don't do choreographies often mm-hmm. 
so it kind of some of the <laughs> some of the marks were off because luckily the audience didn't know of course they didn't see it hadn't seen it before but you know at the end of it he was like i'm like around a you played it faster than the recording and b you played it differently and he's like well i rewrote it and uh it's different <laughs> now and i was like okay thanks for thanks for that update that's funny <laughs> so how did you get started in dancing you were doing ballroom I did ballroom. I got really obsessed with it for like a year, mm -hmm. freshman year of college. Is there a club at Columbia? There is. Yeah. yeah. And then, so in ballroom, it was like Monday nights were standard. Tuesday nights were Latin. And then Wednesday, there were elective, like social dance classes. So each semester, I learned something different. I learned salsa and hustle. And then the last semester, I learned Argentine tango and... I remember thinking, wow, like this is better than everything else. Hmm. And then I didn't, I kind of dropped out of ballroom. And a few years later, I took my first class with Robin. So there was a break between. There was a long break. Yeah. Yeah. And what was the, any real, like what, did you realize what made it different to you from ballroom? And I think it, Ballroom is very much, well, okay, so my, my college roommate and closest friend told me to start doing tango, and I said, and she did ballroom, and she's a professional dancer, modern dancer, and I asked her why, and she said, ballroom, you're performing for judges, you're always performing for an audience, hmm. and tango, it's like you're, you're dancing for the person that you're holding in your embrace. Oh, that's interesting. Right. I mean, of course, you're also performing for an audience. There's always an audience. But compared to ballroom, just the energy of the dance is more, it's inward mm -hmm. instead of always trying to flash these big, sexy smiles at people any chance you get, which is what ballroom feels like. Latin ballroom, that is. Yeah, I mean, that's what it sort of seems, that's what it is yeah. for. Yeah, it's like glittery. Yeah, and tango like, I well. I don't mean to put it down, but I always think of it like a dog and pony show. <laughs> you know, I can see why you'd say that. But um, you know, tango's more like you just have a dog at home to pet because <laughs> 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 you like it, <laughs> <laughs> and you're not like telling it what to do all the time. And I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> so that was at Columbia, and you've been you've been here in New York this whole time, mm -hmm. right? You started with Robin and been dancing and teach uh, traveling. I think you're my first guest who's actually not a teacher or an organizer. Really? I feel honored. Uh, yeah, because remember when we talked uh, last summer, I was going to say this was going to be a show with only like tango local. Like, yeah. But then like Dan Dunbar came on the show and I forgot that he used to host a practica oh, once in a right. while. Wait, what about Michael? Michael? Oh, he did organize. He organized. Well, he does the Staten Island Milonga. Okay, so, okay. I mean, that was only twice, but... I'll give him that. Okay, okay. And then Carlos has Barrio now, so. Yeah. Well, I really liked, what I liked about what you said when you came over is that you felt a little put off by the celebrity culture in Tangle World. I don't know if you want to cut this off. No, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Am I getting you in trouble? I feel like people put other, it's like when you walk down the street and you see a famous person and you're like, oh my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, and then, and then the next thing, the person who sees that famous person thinks is like, oh, they're just like me. And you're like, well, yeah, they just get up and go to work. They just happen to be an actor or a singer. 
Right. But they still have children. They still go to the poopy. They still have like, feelings. You know, yeah, like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, what I I like Tango, to begin with, because. It just seemed like a norm, like a thing people do, like everyday people. They just go and dance, and they're with people, and that seemed mm-hmm. great. And then all of a sudden, you know, the longer you're in it, you see like. Oh, we got to go do this with so-and-so. Oh, and you know what so-and-so said? You can only dance like this. And then yes. like, all of a sudden, your opinions beca- their opinions become your opinions. Mm-hmm. And you don't even have the... Op- and it's like, wh- whoa, what happened to the individual here? Agreed. And so, yeah, like when I was with you that one, you know, that one day, and I was like, I want a place where people could talk about what they think of tango or, or whatever in general. Yes. And we can create a dialogue about that. Yeah, I love that. That's yeah. what got me so into it. I read a book by Megan Flaherty and it was like her story of her growth in tango. Mm-hmm. And I hear those kind of things a lot and sometimes they're a little cheesy, but hers was like a really like well thought out mature. It was like, you know, you talk about the sprint versus the marathon. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was like a, her marathon. It was mm-hmm. a really beautiful book. And, and she said nice things about me. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I like to hear a, a human story of it, and that's what I want to do more of mm. you know, with people. Like that's part of the concept behind this. Mm-hmm. And I liked her story, and I don't know how we'll get there, but you know, I think one interview at a time. Yeah, and then over time, things will emerge. Mm-hmm. But interesting thing about Megan's book: my professor in college actually connected me with her. And this was way before I was like, I didn't even go out dancing hmm. around that time. But I think we had the same professor in college and I reached out to her and she was telling me she was working on this draft of this book. Wow. And it was just a cool connection to see her book on the tables at some marathon that I went to mm-hmm. a while later. Yeah, I saw it at the library recently. I got, she sent me a copy, which is really thoughtful. But um, yeah, it was a really nice book. And there's so many fascinating people in this community that we have access to that we don't normally have access to. Mm-hmm. Like if you just work, I mean, some people work a job and like they go to office parties and then they're like, yeah, I had to hang out with my office mates. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like really great. <laughs> <laughs> but then we go to dance tango and it's like, oh, I know a guy who's a comedian. He's a professional stand-up comic. Oh, I know a girl who's an artist or I know a guy who's yeah. a scientist and it's like wow yeah it's, it's a wider slice of, of of humanity and that's really cool that's what new york is like too mm-hmm. yeah the diversity diversity of the people i mean ethnically as well as just personally it's it's, it's not always the same type of people that dance tango you mm-hmm. know would you say you're more of an introvert absolutely <laughs> yeah, did, no did, you, did, did you need to ask me that question <laughs> However, you you feel the desire to be expressive. I'm an introvert who loves people. Hmm. I really like talking to people. Well, okay, not all people. <laughs> um, I I think I just feel I feel very curious about people's stories. Hmm. Um, and expressing is an important part. I think introvert all introvert really means is that I get energy from being alone. Mm, wow yeah that's nice yeah that's that's interesting i I, you might be an introvert i'm learning how to be i'm becoming an introvert Mm. i definitely get energy from being around people okay then that's extrovert yeah i know but Mm -hmm. i'm i've 
I've slowly been like appreciating alone time more and more. Hmm. Yeah. Whereas before I didn't even think about it. Huh. Like overstimulation was uh, great. It didn't feel like overstimulation. Now it definitely does. I see. Do you feel like you ever have moments when you feed off of overstimulation? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes being overwhelmed is really inspiring. Mm -hmm. Like this week, I could go a whole week without talking to anybody. And then I would start to get a little, not bored, maybe restless. And so I think people, talking to people, having conversations really feeds me creatively. Yeah, yeah. I've been learning that through this process too. Um, it's so easy to pass judgment uh, towards people. And then to put yourself in a place where you're going to sit down and listen to them, you have to be, I think I'm empathetic, but I don't know if I'm very sympathetic. Hmm. Like, I feel a lot of people, but I don't really uh, agree or listen. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm doing, part of this project has helped me do that. So you feel like you're changing through interviewing. Oh, yeah. I think, yeah? well, I think we all do the things we do to help us grow. Mm -hmm. And so maybe it wasn't even a direct rela reason, mm -hmm. but it's becoming what's the effect of it. You know what I mean? So I'm witnessing the evolution of adam i think anybody listening to this is going to witness it maybe because like even the way i can grow from you know you've mentioned about your writing how it's you're uh, you're never the same it's, right. it's living in the sense that you're never the same writer and you're never the same reader um i think you know you'll maybe over the years and time i do this the quality or my ability to carry a conversation like i know when chico listened to the first interview i did with rebecca she because she knows me so well she was like i can tell when you weren't paying attention <laughs> because you would just kind of go like uh-huh <laughs> and then you would just change the subject and i was like well i was trying to keep it rolling yeah and i'd never done that you know and so i had yeah. notes out and i was just looking at my notes and i was i wasn't listening all the time because she would be talking and then i would be looking at my notes like and then I listened back to that episode and I'm like, oh, she said something really interesting and I could have followed it up. But instead, I just went like, uh-huh. And then <laughs> so I've been trying to do better with that. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's great. I mean, what you're doing is not easy either. It's a small community like you, like you said, it, starting a new project is hard and interviewing people like it, it's a skill like any other skill. So I think it's your, it's awesome that you're growing. Thanks. I'll cut this part out because I okay. don't want it to be all about me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you wrote also, um, it's nice you have this website because I have a lot of things to go back to. That's great. You wrote about how you made a decision at some point to become, or not to become, but to, is that the right way to say it, to become an artist? I don't always feel that it's like a weird way to put it. I think it. it's really weird. Yeah. I think it's really but weird. But to pursue To take art. it seriously. Okay, that's a better way. To, I like to that. To take it seriously. I, when people ask me what I do, I always hesitate to say I'm an artist or I'm a writer. I like to say that I, I, I make art and I write. Mm -hmm. And yeah, sorry, I cut you off. What was your question? No, that was it. It was oh. like, what is an artist? That's what oh, I wrote what is down an here. artist? But, it was, I was, but that's also a stupid way to put it. Like, uh, what is an artist? Or I decided to become an artist because we are all just, unless it's like, a, like I'm going to be a janitor. <laughs> You know, yeah. but it's also another way of saying this is what I'm going to do with my time. I think what I meant was I'm going to pursue it. I'm going to be 
professional hmm. about it. Because actually, I was talking to a friend lately about the difference between amateurs and professionals. And he said, professionals have a vision. Amateurs, they just, you know, amateur means like love, love for something. Hmm. They might love something, but ultimately, I don't think they're as motivated to pursue their vision. Did you just turn off your fridge? <laughs> it creates white noise in the background. I oh. forgot to unplug it earlier. Is your stuff can, oh, your stuff it's is fine. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, uh, what, let's do that again. Okay. Amateurs, amateurs, as you say. Uh, amateurs. Wait, is it called amateurs? I say amateur. I'll say amateurs then. You say whatever you want. <laughs> I'm not a native English speaker. Okay. Um, you moved here when you were five. You're pretty darn native. Yeah, but my parents always spoke Chinese, so oh. I don't know what some words are pronounced. Really? Really. Interesting. My dad doesn't know how to pronounce amateur. He's an amateur? He's an amateur. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Punny. Good one. <laughs> uh, so am- amateurs wait for... Oh, okay. Okay. So my friend told me the difference between amateurs and professionals is that professionals have a vision because mm-hmm. they have to. <clears throat> and amateurs, they can do something for the... I mean, amateur, I think it means to, to, to be a lover, to love something. So amateurs can do things just because... They love doing it without caring about some some vision that pushes them forth and needing to improve all the time. They don't. They can get to a certain level and they don't have to improve. They don't want to improve. Well, you know what Chuck Close once said, the artist Chuck Close? He said, amateurs wait for inspiration. The rest of us just get up every day and go to work. Yeah. And that's the difference in a lot of ways. It's like yes. when you're a professional in something, you A, it's your livelihood. Yes. So you work, it's part of your, you know, and it's something like you said, like it's a vision that you're always crafting and building, growing yes. towards. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a book I love called The War of Art. Have you mm. heard of that book Mm-mm. by Stephen Pressfield? No. It's great. It's it's approaching art as not a combat, but thinking thinking of art through the perspective of fighting against resistance and resistance as in creative resistance all the voices in your head telling you why you shouldn't do something new like what you were saying about Mm. yourself Mm. all those months where you just sort of had all these excuses that's resistance yeah and i think part of being professional is accepting no excuses there are there are no excuses and then you start to yeah you start to be able to self-induce inspiration uh if you're fighting i like that the way you put it like fighting against excuses in a way because and fears and yeah. self-sabotage yeah because it's the hardest thing to do is to be creative on your own terms absolutely because there's no model anymore you can't you know when i was a kid learning to draw you know or the day i decided to be an artist if i want to put it that way mm-hmm. i said i literally remember sitting down at the piece of paper and a pen and like drawing like uh illustrations of things that are around me and being mm-hmm. like so now was am i an artist now like i can draw that thing yeah or am i a dancer now i can dance like this person and it's when you take the next step and go into the zone of the fear of like okay this is you know i'm with this person we're in a dancing couple and we're gonna choose to do this stuff even though nobody does it this way mm-hmm. and nobody might like it nobody could like it mm-hmm. you know but you have to kind of 
eventually you have to go there. Otherwise, you're just kind of towing the line and, and you're never challenging that fear. Yeah, absolutely. It's being unafraid. It's like when you hit the share button. Yes. Unafraid to be different. Unafraid to say something different or do something different. Or just to be your honest self with the world. Yes, and let the world see it. Because being, it's not like you're doing it to be different. That's no, not that's the goal. That's true. If that, if that was the case, then it would be fake. Absolutely. You're doing it to sh to be yourself. And the, and going back to what you said before about when you talk to people, you learn more. It's like when you put yourself out there, you really learn more about who you are because then you you see the back, you see what comes back at you. Yes. You know. Yes. And I like what you said about being an introvert. It's not. Some people think introverts are people that shy away from the challenges of life because they're quiet and they're shy. Mm -hmm. But you said, no, I just, I recharge when I'm alone. Mm -hmm. and, it, and so it doesn't mean you don't have anything to say. It's just you process. I process by like, t t I mentioned this in another conversation. I had like, I'll go to be alone. I'll go to like a bar and watch <laughs> a football game and drink some beer. <laughs> and believe it or not, I'll like, I'll wake up the next day feeling like, recharged mm. not always but like i feel good in that environment okay. if i sit at home alone on the couch and try to read i'm out in like 10 minutes mm. and i could use the sleep but i tr i recharge in different ways mm -hmm. you know and we all do and i think some people think that if you're a loud and outgoing person you have more to say no i think you just say more <laughs> <laughs> i have a lot of things going through my mind that i don't say yeah. And I think most introverts do. Well, I think most introverts choose what they say more carefully. And so it's like a subtle leader. You know, yes. the ones that do less, they do it <laughs> with more precision. And the ones that do a lot, they might be precise too, but they're just, there's just too much going on. That's very interesting. Introverted versus extroverted leaders. I've never thought about it like that. But hmm. I, f I find that I really enjoy subtlety in the lead because it forces me to listen. And I like how I feel when I'm listening more. Hmm. I feel like I'm now that I've never thought about this. I think I'm an introverted leader. I think you are, Adam. Yeah, I think you are. Because I definitely am like much more about the subtle things. You are. Which is why I hate performing. Hmm. Yeah. It's I a need to vibe. like because nobody appreciate nobody understands what the fuck's going on unless you're like, you know, throwing fireworks in the air or something. Yes. The audience is not educated enough to understand what's happening exactly and that's not and i'm putting an offense to them it's just the way it is so yes and to fully experience you as a leader like introverted leaders you have to be that like in close embrace mm -hmm. yeah that's interesting i like the way that introverted leader versus extroverted leader and maybe i guess you'd have an introverted follower versus an extroverted follower hmm I'm not sure how that would manifest well, you could say, I don't know if it applies in the same way. You could say that an extroverted follower is always trying to have a conversation mm. with you. Wow, okay. An introverted follower is just more listening. But I wouldn't say that you are, by definition, either extroverted or introverted in the dance. You could just decide to take on those personas. Yeah, well, this is what's so fascinating in different about tango than perhaps ballroom and mm -hmm. especially and well, i'd say especially ballroom but then other social dances you're gonna choose and maybe not even consciously which you're gonna be depending on who you're dancing with yes and who you're dancing to yes 
I mean, I think more of the connection, but the person overrides the music, but in terms of those kind of choices. Yes. Because you may, you may be a very extroverted follower, but there's some guys you dance with that you're just like, oh, I just want to listen, you know? Completely. Some guys that the only way to dance with them is to listen. Yeah. I remember Rebecca Shulman said to me a long time ago, she said, when I dance with Evan, I can't listen to the music. I can't think. I can't do anything but listen to him because he's so creative and, you know, interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I've danced with Rebecca and maybe I'm boring, but she's very <laughs> extroverted. that's a great point i think i wonder if sometimes it's about finding equilibrium Mm. like i find that when i dance with people who have a lot to say i just i let myself let go and just listen and then when i dance with people who give me a lot of room i feel like okay they're giving me space i should fill the space with something interesting Mm -hmm. or something expressive and so maybe there's a point of equilibrium where we're like okay this is satisfying so if someone gives me a lot, then I'm not going to give a lot back. Maybe. So, so what we're talking about is a very conceptual. Do you hear something in the background? Music? Yeah. I don't think it's being picked up in the mic, so it's okay. I'm just. Oh, I think it. Re- I think it's not being recorded. Okay, good. Um, it's a very conceptual way to look at the dance and think it would be a very interesting way to approach teaching it hmm. like less and i think it's evolved i think teachers are evolving in that direction as i talk to colleagues who work you know all around the world there's certain teachers that teach patterns like you know the old school like not even old just the way it's always kind of been like nine out of ten teachers you go to they're going to teach a pattern and then they're going to let you kind of interpret and figure out what you want to say or do with it mm-hmm. but it would be an interesting way to approach a class and I've taken classes similar to this, like Brigitte, Tomas, certain teachers, where they their class is all about how you and your partner are going to interact. Yes. You know, and, and, and find an equilibrium. Yes. Well, one of the things that drew me to tango is that it's about a physical intelligence or a physical... It's like I spent all those years cultivating my mind that tango really requires me to think about concepts in a very physical way. Like, what does my body want to say? Hmm. What does movement say? And so th- I think conceptually, it's it's really enriching in an intellectual way to think about body as like a... I don't, I don't know what I'm, what I'm saying. I th- like th- to think of the body as being it its its own thing that has its own way of being and intelligence yeah. that's separate. Well, I w- so my nie- my niece and nephew were in town and when you watch children who are, don't have consciousness yet, mm-hmm. they their body and their they their mind is their body. Mm. You know? Yeah. So we're on Coney Island and Nate is two and a half. You know, there's this music playing and, and apparently, you know, he just loves to dance. And so the music starts playing and he just starts throwing his arms up. You know, he looks like Elaine Bennett from Seinfeld. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing coordinated about it yet, but it's just a reaction. It's like his mind body. That's his reaction. We are so conscious in our brain body yes. that what you're saying is like when you're dancing, you're developing this mind body. I don't yes. know how to fucking say it, but it's like yes. your mind, but your your body is thinking for you. Yes, you know? absolutely. And like, reacting for you. And that's what we're trying to like develop with our students and ourselves. as, you know, you have to learn in your head for a long time and then eventually yeah. you just want to let it go and just 
let your mind body react yes yes i you, you hit it on the nail i mean it's it's trusting that your body knows things or can do things or can express things without you having the words to articulate mm-hmm. what it is. I mean, this is like going back to like re- reproduction and like, you know, men, you know, men, women, men, 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 whatever the fuck, you know what I, it's like <laughs> those things that, you know, if you sit down and overthink it, yeah, you know, you're going to take all the passion out of like a kiss or a touch or anything. Yes. Yes. It's very easy to get it stuck in our heads. Mm-hmm. And also like, I think it's easy to think of ourselves as, at least for me, as like my body is just a vessel for my brain. My brain is a thing that's, I don't know, has been validated since I was young. But now that dance, I think what dance really does, the gift for me is becoming more body aware in really empowering ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very. That's why I when I started dance, I was always into music, like played music and so tango got me like right away because of the the you know you've heard the, i don't know if you've heard the metaphor like you're the fifth in- instrument as the dancer yeah, I have. and that's what i loved about tango because i felt like i could just do what i wanted and be the instrument right mm-hmm. and with you know in partnership um but what i lacked for so many years was ability <laughs> technique you know mm-hmm. and so um being able to be in your, your, your mind body. I mean, A, you have to be your mind. You have to learn everything. And then you have to learn your body. So you have to like relearn everything. It's so funny. Like we're like learning how to do something we've been doing since we were two, mm-hmm. one and a half. We're learning how to walk, mm-hmm. you know, but mm-hmm. we're analyzing it so much. So we're perfecting it in a way. Mm-hmm. And that's, um, I never thought that was so interesting until other people who don't dance would just be like, all you guys are doing is like studying your walk over and over again. Hmm. And I'm like, yeah, it's kind of weird. But, but it's, it's it's learning how to walk together yeah. in a way that's comfortable and expressive and musical. Mm. And that's very different than, I mean, I guess you could learn how to walk from just by yourself outside on the street. But learning how to walk together, like think of that philosophically to walk in relationship to another person and have both of you be really comfortable that's that's a challenge yeah it's a challenge it's 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 uh you know being so comfortable with yourself while you're still so close to somebody else exactly and that's uh takes that's hard for a lot of people that's why we put up all these um rules and boundaries and things to our relationships in general you know yes where were you last what are you doing why don't you call me yeah yeah you know it's it's just human nature but i think you in a way you bring that into your tango and then you know you have a hard time at first just being near somebody confidently holding them uh, being yourself i don't know yes yes completely it's it was for me it was a long process you know Mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm And I find that when I'm uncomfortable in someone's embrace, chances are they're they're probably uncomfortable too with themselves and with me. Hmm. And I, I think this necessity to be comfortable with yourself, be intimate with yourself first in order to dance with someone, like that's that's a huge part of tango and, and art for me. What's really interesting is how some people don't even realize how uncomfortable they are with themselves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. How? Why is that? I, I, you know, I, I, I used to try to, you know, wish and think I could figure it out, and I just sort of gave up. Uh, I don't know, but I, it, it's fascinating. I joke about it in class. I, I make, I make jokes about how, like, you know, you can't, you can't start dancing with somebody and get into a really uncomfortable situation and just close your eyes and pretend it's not happening for four and a half minutes or ten minutes or whatever. You know, like, right. you need to stop, fucking. Like analyze life and realize this is not working instead of just ignoring it. But you know, in life, people close their eyes and ignore it. Yeah, I know. All the time. Yeah. But I wonder if they're ignoring it, if they really don't see it. Hmm. They probably see it and then they decide to brush it under the carpet. I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to like going back to what you said even about artists, like it's hard to face those fears. Yeah. It's hard to cross that line and say, I'm going to try something that's I've never tried before. Well, that's why tango is, I mean, tango is a microcosm. I, I, I think you've said this in some other podcasts, but tango can show you, it's so revealing of those sore spots, like facing all of those fears at once. And I forgot where I was going with this. Well, it's, it's related. It, another aspect of this is like you're talking about in general. Yeah so far as we've come in our culture, it's a man and a woman learning how to communicate. I was Or a woman and a woman or a man. What, right, but so far the majority of it yes. is a man and a woman. And there's, uh, I like from my perspective, like I never realized how agreeable I was with men and how disagreeable I was with really? women until I started taking criticism from one or the other oh interesting like when a man would say something i'd be like yeah okay dude you know <laughs> or when like a woman like chico or something years like we would practice we would argue all the time mm. and um i don't know if it was a, a sexual it was male female i don't know what it was but i just i feel like i've observed it like men go on i don't you know all these guys that you see teaching on the dance floor mm-hmm. i don't think they're going to go on the dance floor with another guy and just start lecturing him Mm. you know mm-hmm. and i'm not saying they're doing it intent i don't think it's even realized but there is a diff there is another uh, element to this whole thing we do which is the relationships between men and women or power dynamic or however you want to oh, put it absolutely and like i've learned over the years to like you know to put it like whatever like to shut the fuck up and like let somebody tell me what i'm doing to make their exp- and really they're just trying to tell you how to make their experience better. Yes. They're not even trying to like make you feel bad. Like when Chico right. tells me like Adam that doesn't feel good mm-hmm. and I'm like, "Yeah, you don't know what you're talking." And I'm like, "Well, actually, she does cuz mm. it's her fucking body." Yeah. You know. But um so yeah, I don't know if it's always necessarily because it's a man and a woman relationship, but there are there a lot of baggage comes out. Again, it goes back Completely. to like, you know, the uncomfortableness of yourself and the embrace. And then how we react and interact with the other people and the opposite sex and how we take criticism from the opposite sex. I ask women sometimes, I'm like, why did you got, why do you let this guy lecture you on the dance floor? And they look at you like, well, I think he's helping me. I don't know. Da, 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 da. And I believe they don't know. But I look at it and think this guy has a power trip. It's about power. Yeah. It's absolutely about power. And I think what you said about like you needing you putting aside your your pride or your Mm -hmm. ego or whatever it is and just listening maybe tango is making you more quote-unquote traditionally feminine and able to receive criticism and able to listen i mean feminine masculine as like philosophical concepts yeah 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 so 
I think the concept of gender and power, that's been a huge theme for me as I mature as a dancer. Mm. Because when I started dancing tango, I, well, I started in college and then Robin was like, you should come out. And I came out and when you're a beginner dancer, young, fresh blood, straight from college, like there will be all kinds of men all over you and you won't have a great experience and they're not great dancers. And at the very beginning, you have a hard time saying no. Right. And then later you have different problems. Like later it's hard to be the one that cabeceos. It's hard as a woman to stare a man down in a way that's comfortable for you and not too uncomfortable for him. And I think as I grew as a dancer, like the past few years, each year I learned something new about how I relate to men and the power relationship between us through the dance experience and through like the tango culture around the dance experience. Yeah. You know how like I ask some people this question sometimes like if tango was a movie like the plot line of tango was a movie what kind of movie would it be for you? Hmm. If the plot line of tango was a movie and you mean like you for mean all of it or like like your, dance? your your tango your tango story if it was a movie what kind of movie would it be that's what i loved about megan's book hmm she did a she made uh i think she made it accessible for people who have no idea what what the tango world is like mm-hmm. to see it in real terms and not in some fantasy of like Oh, you danced the tango and da, da da like she talks about it like this was my life and and, and she makes it into a freaking like, it could be a movie her book could be a movie mm. you know mm-hmm. um and my whole thing about this is why I'm doing I think as I think more and realize like look back what got me into tango in the first place was my love for people mm. my curiosity for people mm-hmm. and being able to like be around people mm-hmm because I think being around people helps you learn about yourself. Yes, absolutely. You know, absolutely. going back to that. Yeah. And this is the, the impetus for this project. It's like, we're around all these people. I don't know how to say, I, what did you say when you walked in? I asked you how to pronounce your name. Like, Adam, it's been five years. Like, <laughs> yeah, we're around people all the fucking time. We see them all the fucking time. Yeah. But how often do we sit down and chat with them and get to know them? Mm-hmm. You know, we don't have time. We're there to dance. We're, you know, we're with our significant others. They mm-hmm. want their attention. You know, there's all yes. sorts of shit going on. It's life. Yeah. Um, so maybe at this point, my tango movie is, you know, I got into tango professionally because I knew it would be the only way I'd have enough time to get good at it. Mm. And I also didn't go to college or anything. So I didn't fucking like, why not? You know? Mm-hmm. And then I've, I greatly enjoyed getting to know and meet people, even mm-hmm. the people, even the people I don't like. I find a fascinating thing about uh, a mm. friend of mine. I haven't seen in a long time. Louisa Pice, who was a uh, very famous tango dancer a long time. Not long, but a little while ago. She was Pulpo and Louisa, right? Everybody knows Pulpo, but Louisa was probably nine-tenths of that. We were at a, we were doing an event once in Colorado. I worked with her briefly. And she danced like, it was a house party. And she danced with like everybody in the, every guy in the room. And this is a woman who's like dancing 20-something years. She's famous. And I asked her at one point, I'm like, Louisa, why are you you know, like this guy over here, like, what are you dancing with this guy? Mm-hmm. And she was like, I'll learn something from everybody I dance with. That's a great Whether attitude. I enjoy it or not. Yeah. 
And I was like, man, this this is why this woman is amazing. It's not mm. because she's a famous tango dancer, blah, blah, blah. It's because she's just inherently like always trying to learn from her experiences and use everything to re- enrich her life and learn about herself. That's a great approach. And like that's something that I'm uh, – the dance itself is the dance. Yeah. But it, there's so much you can extrapolate from it to, to grow mm-hmm. how you interact with people. Mm-hmm. How you don't interact with people, how you avoid uncomfortable situations, you know, so mm-hmm. many things, how you create events, you know, whatever, how you use Tango to write an essay or two or three or mm-hmm. learn about your relationships. Um, so I guess that would be my Tango movie at this point, sort of. It's maybe like a documentary. Do- <laughs> documentary. Yeah. Is that how you pronounce Doc- <laughs> <laughs> Do I think I say documentary. Oh, no, I can't even <laughs> fucking say it. If I documentary. <laughs> <laughs> i don't even know documentary that's what i say <laughs> all right so what about your tango okay movie? yes so mine is probably a political thriller <laughs> okay cool <laughs> with a strong female protagonist okay do you does the president go missing <laughs> <laughs> there is no president okay good <laughs> I, and I say political. I've thought about this question for a while because I've heard people tell me their tango stories and I'm like, whoa, that sounds like a rom-com or a, mm, mm. a drama. Like tango is your lover. Right. And for me, tango is not my lover. Mm-hmm. Like for me, tango, my story of tango, if I were to put a narrative on it, is about navigating gender and power and becoming a woman through the process. So political thriller. Hmm. Yeah. Mine is about becoming more feminine in a philosophical way. Mm. I think I didn't even, you know, I was not even like a massive, like I never was like a jock. I never thought, right. but you're just ignorant. Like you don't, it's just a culture. I don't, I don't want to blame the culture, but it was like, I just didn't realize. And maybe it had to do with my childhood and not having like a strong mother role. Mm. I just never really understood how to interact with women in a way that, I mean, I, here's the thing. I always want, I always believed that I could be friends. Like, I had friends growing up that were like, I don't understand how you could be friends with women. Like, you know, because I just uh, want to hang out. Like, you know, I just want to fuck them or whatever. Yeah. And I was always, even before Tango, like, I had a lot of female friends. Okay. Um, but I do think I did treat them without realizing it differently. Yes. It's and maybe it was it maybe not outwardly maybe like I said hi and I didn't look at you weird and I was very but maybe the way I listened to them was different and I didn't or realize lack it or lack thereof yeah yeah and I still have moments where like you know my buddy Jason who I'm good friends with I want to he's a poet he's a really great guy I want to have him I on the know show him. you know Jason I I met him at Columbia okay yeah Jason Koo I we're not like yeah. buddies but yeah i know who he is yeah so i met him through sports hmm. and i still what i was gonna say is like i still have moments when i just want to like go out with a couple guys and have time with guys mm-hmm. but not in like a way where we're going to talk about the size of our dicks or anything like that just like <laughs> it just sometimes i know women have the same thing they just go out with the girls and they do fucking whatever you know get their nails done they talk about cooking no <laughs> <laughs> no but it, it there's something and i also love going out with like you know, Jason and his wife and Sharon and I and like yeah. whatever. And also yeah. going out with groups of women and me and, you know, but there's there's still a, a need, you know, for us to be, you know, around our men and men and women and women and all this stuff. But it, 
I guess it's just giving the same respect in the same time and the same listening. I mean, I think it really comes down to listening. Yes. But like, like listening. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like now listening, you. it means like fucking thinking after they, after somebody speaks, you know, it's yes. not just listening. It's like, oh, yeah, I hear you. It's like <laughs> listening and then thinking like, okay, what does that mean? Yes. You know? Yes. And I mean, I know you say let's not blame the culture, but it is the culture in a lot of ways. The way women are portrayed in the media, in like ads outside, in, in in movies, and just the ways that we, the ways that we're interacting with each other, I think Tango exposes all of the, all of the holes or the ugly parts or the sore spot or the sore parts, and forces you to face them it also it also does um like place like geographically like tango in the u.s is fighting this like you know i'm we're equal and don't treat me this way and don't you know and then tango in argentina the dynamics between the men and women are different Mm. and then tango in like japan and asia and china like you see like you said you see all of the cultural like whoa like it's condensed and distilled mm-hmm. at a milonga and you can just go and observe yeah and like europe and tango in europe is like the men and women are it's almost yeah it's just very i'm not gonna like give any sort of like whatever weird but you just see the societal relationship between men and women just like right there in front of you and you can play with it too yeah that's, that's the beauty of tango like you can play with it through through the dance it's an opportunity to explore different possibilities like what if i'm more dominant now Mm -hmm. or what if i just completely let go and do whatever you tell me to do like okay you can put me here well am i going to take it or am i going to put you back where you were i mean that's what's fun about i mean one thing that sabina told me a long time ago was that i was we were we finished a workshop with chicho was the first time he came to the u.s at least since I had worked with him and we're going back a long time now, but we were driving back from Baltimore and I asked her like, I asked her something and she said, Adam, what I like about your dancing is that no matter where I am, you're there. Mm-hmm. She said, but I never know where you want me to be. Mm. So you're not clear in your lead, but you're ready for me wherever I am. So basically I needed to like be a little bit more dom, like more present, you know, because I was giving a lot of space or more masculine in a philosophical way. Yeah. And so that's what I've been kind of balancing because I work with some women. I know I've been working with Chico for so long that we have our we have our thing and we're always challenging ourselves and growing. Mm -hmm. But I work with other women when Chico's traveling or whatever, like this week. And like it's it's amazing because like one woman is just she needs me to be like uber, uber masculine, Hmm. even though she's a fabulous dancer. She Mm -hmm. really wants like and then I could feel it. And we talked about it. And then through my masculinity, she can be more feminine. It's contrast. But it's not like she's... It's it's like the more voice I have, the more voice it allows for her. Yes. But then I worked with somebody else this week who was like, I felt like I needed to give them space for their voice by not having as much of a voice. It was just very weird, the, the interesting, the, the, the dynamic of like that relationship you have. And it goes very deep because yeah. I bet like how I am with different men how I am with different men also reflects like how I feel on a given day but also how maybe I've related to men historically 
mm-hmm. like it, it it just it all comes out in the dance and that's what's so interesting and fun yeah yeah it's really uh i'm excited i want to go dancing <laughs> <laughs> you talked yourself when i think about excitement. it from this perspective more and more i'm like ooh. I want to go do this more, but that's really, you know, we've, I think we've hit a nerve about like what people, why this dance is like perpetuating. It's not, I don't believe knock on wood, it's coming to an end anytime soon because you know, every new Tanda, every new partner, even if it's the same partner, but a, a different day or a different thing, it's like different mood. Um, it's just, just a whole new experience. And then you get better, like your body, your mind, body, your, your, your ability to dance and communicate you know, sometimes when you don't have enough, I, I used to hate technique, but I've value, I value it so much now because it's like you basically cut your feet off. You can't fucking do 10 times, like half the shit you want to express, you just can't physically do it because mm-hmm. you just don't know how physically. Mm-hmm. And so the more training you have in that realm, the more of a voice you have when you're dancing. Yeah, about finding different ways to be free and to feel free and expressing yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that was great. <laughs> Are you tired? <laughs> no, but I want to talk about something else you said. Okay. Or I, I don't know if this was you said this or somebody else quoted. Okay. You quoted somebody else. Tango is where you go to be publicly rejected and humiliated you know for money. That? <laughs> you know who said that? No. Michael. Oh, oh yeah? Yeah. Oh, it's so funny. <laughs> so true. <laughs> he said that to me at a marathon and I thought it was so spot on. <laughs> Everybody goes through it. Mm-hmm. Like even if tango feels like some ladder that you climb and eventually you stop being humiliated and rejected, the early days are, those are like, those are memories that everybody has, I think, yeah. no matter how great you are now. Oh yeah, no. This is why, you know, going back to our point about the celebrity status, it's like, don't, don't forget that like just a few years ago, you were getting no nobody gave a shit about you man yeah, and, and exactly. to be honest when you leave this milonga nobody gives a shit about you either so like <laughs> let's just forget about this stuff like this yes. oh i'm the fucking whatever I, I mean i'm not saying you have to dance with everybody and you have to you know, but just have like you know like mike said in my interview with him mm-hmm. make them feel good be nice mm-hmm. be polite you don't have to fucking dance with them but you don't have to act like you know you've you weren't there you mm-hmm. know like you didn't start off in the same place we all started off not knowing how to do this. I don't care if, even if you started when you were three and you were really good at seven, you were still three, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And it's important to just remember that, I think. But I know people and every, and every, um, and everything, they forget where they come from, I think. Or they can't. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like if, if they're forgetting where they came from or they are holding on to too much pretension, Usually it masks some insecurity. Yeah. Well, that's the, you know, it's bullying and all that comes from having insecurities and like a fear of like looking at the self. Yes. It's interesting that people who are all so afraid of themselves yet aren't afraid to like be the most loud and obnoxious person in the room at the same time, (laughs) whether it's tango or anything. Yeah, well, that's maybe that's because they don't have to look inwards. They can just hmm. keep talking, hmm. which is not a bad thing, but you can have both. Yeah. Well, 
Should we wrap it up? Sure. Okay. That's good. Thank you. Oh, that's how you wrap it up? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's no like wind down? Um, we Warm- covered a lot. Okay, great. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't just going to end it. But I, I don't know. I felt like we it was like we went so far and then it was like, how do we wrap it up? Uh, yeah, I think we could we could wrap it up there for now. Okay. But I want to thank you for your support in this idea. I think it's going well. Yeah, I'm 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 happy to be a part of it. I'm happy for all of your continued success in your journey. Thank you. Um aside from the writing I I must have closed your website. You're doing visual art too, no? Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm doing visual art. Maybe I'll do some audio stuff. Mm-hmm. I think writing is where my soul is, but the other forms are just other expressions of it. There was something else, but I can't remember right now. But we can always... I can just ask you when I see you next time. Okay. There's something about writing. Oh. Anyway, thank you for being here. <laughs> I feel like I'm about to walk out the door or something. What do you mean? <laughs> you are. Uh, <laughs> like right now. <laughs> no, no, no. We'll just we'll end the, the interview part. That's okay, all. okay. Cool. Thanks, Adam. <laughs> thank this was fun. All right. <laughs> all right. So there you go with Kinning Zoo, everybody. The ending was awkward. I think she was surprised that we were ending, formally ending the interview. But that's how these things work. You know, we say thank you, we wrap it up, and then we turn off the microphones, and then we have a water or tea or whatever and chat for longer. Um, But I really like the conversation. I really like the nature of the way these uh, conversations are flowing from episode to episode, depending on who I'm talking with. Uh, I do think I still tend to talk a little too much. I get excited and I want to share all my thoughts with my guests and my friends. So hopefully I'll I'll learn to, to, to tone that down. Um, maybe not. Who knows? It's my show. I'll do whatever I want. But I do notice when I listen back that um, I would like to hear more from them. So we'll see if I can if I can work on that. Otherwise, we'll be back next Tuesday. I have a surprise guest um, and you'll just have to tune in to find out who it is. All right. Have a great rest of your week.